So, is all you really need is kill? We'll find out. We're talking about the edge of tomorrow here on the Awesome Cast. Actually, I don't think we should talk about the edge of tomorrow. All right, well then, how about the best Jewel Heist movie of 1981? It's a podcast starring everybody. And me. This is the Awesome Cast. So welcome back to the Awesome Cast. Actually, back to the Awesome Cast. A real episode. Huzzah! It's been forever. Complete with Awesome Cast action. Starring me, Basil. The guy who talks first. Also starring... Kevin. The guy who talks second. Doug. And Doug, the guy who talks third. Because that's the order we talked in. This is the awesome cast. He's talking in a different order. Yeah, sometimes I talk before you. Yes. Sometimes. Some sometimes. Not this time. Not this time. It was in previous times. But boy, do we love clanking this oh, teapot. Yeah. Clank, clank, clank. That's right, because it's an awesome cast, so therefore... We're drinking tea. Gotta have tea. It's a podcast. If you're a podcast without tea, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Probably like in Norway or some bullshit country. You you leave Norway alone. <laughs> it's okay. Ah, uh, Brazil. Poor, <laughs> poor, stupid Brazil. What's going on with Brazil? Oh, Germany beat them in the World Cup seven to one. Oh, that's sad. The World Cup may be instrumental in the deposing of a president. Aww. <laughs> Whatever. Go Germany. <laughs> Well, yeah, why not? Go Germany. And you, Kevin. Mm. You. You're random hating on France. I need to reveal one of your deep secrets now. But I don't think you hate France as much as you say you do. I, I pretty hate France. No, I, I think you seem to like French, you, the fr- country. No, no. The French are horrible and no. impolite. And, no, but there's so many things French. that are French that you seem to love. Like fries. Yeah. You love your ass and French fries. We were talking about French cuisine, and you, you're you were, very picky, but you do, in fact, like the things that are heavily French-influenced. You were like, oh, oh, oh. Well, just because Joan of Arc is my favorite historical figure does not mean I like the French. She was a French lady, though. Just because I like movies with Jean Renault in them. Who is a French guy. French. Just because I, I watch the internet reviewer Ben's Eye doesn't mean I like the French. Kevin, I think you're in denial. I think you like the French. Hey, not Norway. Just saying. Damn it, Basil. I mean, God damn it. If Canada didn't exist, Rose of Versailles would be probably my favorite anime, but that doesn't mean I like the French. I, I think it does. I think you're just in denial about how much you love France. So if you want to send us emails about how much Kevin loves France, please send us emails at awesomecast at gmail.com. If you're tired of all our country bullshit, send us podcasts or emails or podcasts. You can send us podcasts. That'd be cool. But send it all to podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. 
Podcast parlez-vous français? Qu'est-ce que c'est quoi? C. Damn it! <laughs> no, I don't think C is French. <laughs> of course, you can go to our podcast website, awesomecast.com. O-S-M-C-A-S-T dot com. Check out our Index of Awesome of all our other episodes, real, fake, and everything in between. You leave us comments on the various podcasts. We love reading those. Do we uh, have any? Do we have any comments to read? I don't know. Maybe give me a sec to check. <laughs> but meanwhile, of course, we do have Twitter, AwesomeCast, Facebook, AwesomeCast, Tumblr, AwesomeCast. Those things exist. Sometimes we even use them. It's a crazy, brave new world out there in the socials and the medias. And I don't get them, but you know. I don't. Someone does. All right. So we do have one comment. It was on the Godzilla podcast. Sweet. By Wolf. Wolf. This convinced me to go see it, which I plan to do sometime this week. Thanks. Yay! We convinced someone to go see Godzilla. It was a great movie. It was all right. It was pretty damn good. It's something like the movie we're going to be talking about, though. The Edge of Tomorrow? Edge of Tomorrow. Well, no, because you... Because you vetoed that, but yeah, I, I, we did go see Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure that will get covered later on in possibly the Moments of Awesome. But, of course, before we get to Moments of Awesome, it is now time for Dragon Quest Minute! There's actually Dragon Quest news? Yes, for Japan. <laughs> oh my god, tell me what it is. I want to hear it. Dragon Quest X, the MMO, is now coming to 3DS. In Yay Japan. for Japan! It is kind of interesting. Well, it's because now Dragon Quest X was a Dragon Quest MMO mm-hmm. originally for the Wii. Mm-hmm. Then they made an HD version for the Wii U. Then they took that HD version and put it on PC. And then they somehow put it on cell phones. And right. what it is, it's actually via uh, cloud video streaming. It's much like um, OnLive, or now PlayStation Now, which was a Gaikai, where the video footage actually is being streamed to you. Oh. And then you hit your buttons and commands, and it sends it to them, and they send you back the what results. And that's also what the 3DS version does. Because the 3DS is in no way powerful enough to actually yeah. run an MMO. Right. Um, now, the downside is, of course, is that the graphics are not in 3D. But it also looks way better than what it would be on a 3DS normally. Because mm-hmm. they're running the same version they're running on like Wii U and stuff. Of course, you have to be online to use it. But guess what? It's an MMO. You had to be online anyways. Yes. So, it's huh. really interesting. Now, the, down, the real actual downside is that they require a separate fee on top of the subscription for the streaming service subscription. Because it is a separate thing they're doing. Yeah. But it's, it's a really neat idea. I just wish it was a really neat idea that I could play in America, but as, as that's kind of okay since as we, this has been your Dragon Quest Minute. Seems like it's okay. Well, yeah, yes, Kevin? It seems like with a little effort you could maybe get the PC version running. But you'd still be playing with a bunch of Japanese people. In, in Japanese. In Japanese. Yeah, just learn Japanese, Basil. Well, or I could play another MMO like Final Fantasy fourteen with our Final Fantasy fourteen A Realm of Born Minute. Okay, 
Okay, so I think last time we were talking, we did not have a free company house. No. Yeah. We now have a free company house. We have a house. Yes. In the middle of the street. Our house. Well, we do have a choke bus table. That's sort of cool. But yeah, uh, in the most recent patch that just came out, as we're recording this, uh, you know, they had a whole bunch of updates. They made it so that you can stable your chocobos, so that you can raise and train your chocobos a little bit more. So that's a little bit more in-depth. Uh, they also added it so that you can have personalized rooms. So I immediately had the money to drop down and buy my room. So did a couple of other members in our free company. I'm going to need to level up some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to be level 50, and you have to have a certain amount of rank in your free comp- or in your grand company mm-hmm. right there are three nations each are represented by their own military or grand company everything's company in most games it'd be guilds or clans in 14 it's companies because that means you'd be company men and company women and company whatever and it's awesome and you could buy from the company store yeah yeah i can call myself a company man we've got totally the wrong portrait hanging in the house though i'm <laughs> yes, we do. That's the one that Barry could afford to buy with his seals. Because Barry's in the wrong company, but that's okay. Yeah. We might as well... Well, my goal is... My goal was to have all three and then put them all uh, where we have the hot tub. It's all the hot, it's all the hot tub. Someone's yeah. like, no, we can't have the giant portraits of people's faces. I don't want people watching us while we get up to shenanigans in the hot tub in the bottom in the basement of our house like that's just how i feel about it seriously type backslash shenanigans see what happens (laughs) oh kevin okay there is no backslash shenanigans command there might be (laughs) i think there might be i think there's lots of emotions yeah there's lots of those in this game it's actually really interesting how this game actually requires you to use many of them in actual quests. Yeah. yeah. Come across the odd quest where you must disbelieve or beckon or do some other e- emotion at somebody. And it's it's actually part of the game. It's Se- little... Several times the game requires you to dance. Yeah. In yep. order to continue on that storyline. Yep. Because yes, dancing is important. Especially after you get level 50. And then you can learn the Manderville dance. The most important dance. Of all time. Yes. <laughs> I'll take their words on it. I'm not quite to 50 yet. But you'll get there, and then we'll be able to talk about it on our Final Fantasy XIV Rebel Born. I do have one more thought, and this is something that I've been able to see now that we've been playing for a little while, now that now that I'm a level 50 character, my gear is like I-85 now. I need to make an impassioned plea to all the tanks, all the people who play either a paladin or a warrior... Stop being jerks to your healers. Stop blaming your inability to hold aggro, to hold hate on a mob on the healer failing to heal you because you let them die. Like, I'm so angry at takes just in general who let me die and then get mad at me for not healing them. I can't do it if I'm dead and I'm a, I'm a little clothy. It's not like I can really defend myself. That's okay. why I go in the place with the tank. Okay, once I max out Summoner, I'll go back to a tanky class. <laughs> you don't have to, Kevin. Well, uh, I'm the only one on the whole game who can tank right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there are people in our company who can tank right, but that's about it. 
Although, actually, I kind of hope, I, I kind of want to, uh, when the next patch comes down and they got Rogue slash Ninja, i kind of interested to see how that plays out. Well, <laughs> perhaps my impassioned plea might need to be a little less vague, not less vague, a little less specific and more vague. Uh, you can run into some really great people in this game. And in fact, me and Basil were talking earlier about how when you're level like when you're not the when you're not max level, like when you're anything below max level, like you can be level forty nine, people are actually very nice and are very patient with you, and they'll they'll calmly you'll go into a place and you'll say, hey, this is my first time in here, and people will be very kind and they'll help you go through. But man, the moment you hit level fifty, if you go someplace that you haven't been before, nobody cares, and everybody just expects you to know everything. And it really would, I think, it really would be a nice thing if I've particularly noticed this with people who play tanks, but if people who play tanks would not be such jackasses. It would make my gaming experience a lot better. Minute! In the same way the Dragon Ball Z episodes represent a minute. (laughs) Sorry, I had to bitch about tanks. No, it's fine. It's fine. But I started the bit. I had to complete the bit. Okay. That's, that's the rules of the bit. The commitment to the bit. That's right. Okay. We're professionals here on the awesome cast. Fucking hate tanks. <laughs> Except the good ones. Except for the good ones. And you know who... Well, actually, no. The sad part is that you don't know who you are. <laughs> the good ones are good, but even the sucky ones think you're good. So you're not. You're fucking terrible. Next time you're in a party with a random person, actually ask the healer, hey, was I okay or was I a dickwad? They'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to see what happens when healers go bad, play the new version of the hard mode of Tam Terra Deepcroft. In Final Fantasy XIV at Rail of Born. On sale now. Yeah. Bradley, you probably, you've just missed the Steam sale where it was ridiculously cheap. <laughs> Don't worry, there's always more. Yeah. But speaking of video games, how about we just barrel straight on through our Moments of Awesome. It's a Moment of Awesome. Moments of Awesome, where we talk about things that we like, we've enjoyed. Maybe not enough to actually do a full episode. Sometimes we eventually do have a full episodes, but sometimes we don't. You want to start us off, Kevin? Because I can start us off. You don't want to start us off. Well, I mean, Doug could all start us, start us off as well. I mean, it's whatever. I don't. I don't care. Everything's awesome. That's a later podcast. Wolves. Wolves. Wolves among us. The wolf among us, specifically. I don't know if either of you are familiar with this. No. Um, it's from it's a it's a Telltale Games multi episode point and click adventure game. Uh-huh. Um, PC, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, all that. It is based uh, on the DC Vertigo comic Fables, which is basically what Once Upon a Time ripped off for its entire premise. Mm. But it's a world where fairy tale beings exist amongst mortals in a modern setting in their little own little town, own little community. And this this game takes place actually before any of the comic continuity. It's actually back in the eighties, but uh, it uh, largely focusing on uh, Big B Wolf, who is the big bad wolf, and he is the sheriff of the community of fairy tale beings. <laughs> and it's, he's basically, for purpose of the story, a film noir private eye, who gets you know, is trying to figure out who is killing prostitutes in fairy tale town. Uh, just so this is a game where you do get to see the Little Mermaid on a stripper pole. Just putting that out there, um, for better or for worse. <laughs> but 
It's a point-and-click adventure game done in five parts. I bring it up because the last part just got released. And isn't it, um, my brain conked out for that moment, it's based off a comic book series? Yes. Yeah, it's based off a DC Vertigo series, Fables. But it essentially boils down to uh, the Big Bad Wolf and Snow White track down a serial killer at the game. That sounds pretty great. With, you know, being done in an episodic structure where everything ends on a cliffhanger and nothing stays what you think it is and there's lots of twists and turns and I actually haven't finished it because I remembered I hadn't finished part four when part five came out. But, you know, each part will probably give you a couple hours of gameplay. So, you know, the whole thing together is actually a pretty... A pretty decent length game. But, uh... You'll meet a wide variety of fairy tale creatures. I wish I could say if it was fairly authentic to the comic. But I'm not that familiar with it. Although, now I want to read it. Um, but, you know, you play the big bad wolf. And you are the big bad wolf. Um, and... You, you get to make Grendel cry. So, while you've been playing the big bad wolf... I've been playing the big bad shovel knight. It is a video game. It is a video game on the PC, a video game on the Wii U, or a video game on the 3DS, depending how you want to buy it. It is done by a group called Yacht Club Games. They're a bunch of guys who used to work at WayForward. They now decide to strike off and do their own thing. And it's designed in the spirit of 8-bit Nintendo games, hmm. where the it, the graphics look... They, use, they actually use... Primarily in the NES um, color palette, they added like four colors just to make some things look better. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more parallax in the background. Like they pretty much thought, what if we made a really, what if their technology had kept improving on the NES, and they could throw some more awesome chips in there to make it look even better? That's sort of what they did. Yeah. Like modern games are in widescreen, so they made this game in widescreen. They thought lots of parallax backgrounds would look awesome, so they did lots of parallax backgrounds look awesome. But they even did things like when you have a big boss, they don't have to make the screen black, but they made the screen black anyways. That's how you do see all the old big Mega Man villains. Yeah. Of course, in Mega Man, it was because they were actually using... Part of the sprite was actually the background. Yeah. And the, the sprite you hit was the part you can interact with. But they, did, they didn't have to do that, but they decided to get that sort of, you know, those graphic ideas... Um, the guy who did the music is Jake Kaufman. He goes by the name Vert. And he actually designed it using like a freeware like NES sound chip emulator. Like the entire soundtrack could be technically played on an NES. Yeah. If you put it on a cartridge. Mm-hmm. Um, he did actually design it as if it were using the the Japanese Castlevania 3 sound chip. That was only the Japanese, so it actually sound, adds like two or three more sound channels. Yeah. So it sounds extra, you know, oomphy. But it's a lot of fun. They actually based everything sort of the, the down sword mechanic that was in Zelda 2. Oh, cool. Also, DuckTales is the primary thing. But you got like eight unique bosses, kind of like Mega Man. The world map's kind of like Mario 3, but you interact with, talk to people in the towns like Zelda 2. It's like a... But I say all this, it's like all these other things, but it's really its own game. Mm-hmm. It's own unique humor. It's really funny. The gameplay's super... Super tight and super well portrayed. The levels are well have designed. Have a lot of personality. Tons, tons. Okay. It's got great, like great dialogue, um, awesome detail. They have a they have a fish that you can go go meet, who has its own fish dance. <laughs> Just because it's the great fish and the fish should have a fish dance, and it's like a big like screen big fish and he's moving around and other fishes with a little dance. It feels. 
and the fish looks like it's like straight out of um, a Leak's Awakening. Yeah. That sort of goofy Zelda art style that was in the old Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Well, it sounds a little bit like uh, the passion that went into Earthbound. Yeah, that same level of uh, a passion, yeah. Oh, speaking of passion, although it's because it was a passion project, what I've actually been playing recently, I've gone back and started playing Final Fantasy IX. Oh, really? Yep. I needed something to do on my Vita. Yeah. And I've been watching Frasier lately, but I'm like, yeah, Frasier's okay. It's not as good as I remember it. Yeah. But I realized I don't really remember nine. Like I've had issues trying to play like Final Fantasies four and six and even seven, but I played those so often when I was younger mm-hmm. that I play them now and I'm like oh, I remember all this. I remember yeah. and then Chrono Trigger. I remember those really well. Nine only played through once, and I'm like, well, what if what if I play it again? And I'm playing it again, and it a it holds up, and b I don't really remember it at all. <laughs> like I remember certain moments in it. Like, I remember certain characters in it, but I don't really remember the game. And so it's it's kind of like, you know, you read a book and you read it once and you're like, oh, that was a good book. I should reread it one day. And you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, I did really enjoy this, but I don't remember any of it. So it's sort of re-enjoying it again for the first time. Mm-hmm. Not really. That's what I'm playing. That's Final Fantasy IX. Oh, cool. So, you know, it's, you've got, you've got your VVs and your... Steiners and Zidanes and Garnets and they're off on their quests and stuff. I just got through the forest. I'm only in the ice cavern now. I'm still pretty early on in the game. Yeah, pretty early. But I am... It is surprising just um, how well localized that game is considering that Final Fantasy VII and Tactics were not very well localized. If you go back and replay them... They weren't? Tactics was barely readable. A lot of its grammar issues were really bad. So were Sevens. Nine does have some translation issues, but it is better localized. Yeah. There are some weird translation choices in the game, but it's more internally logical. Um, especially with Tactics and Seven, that was actually Sony handling more of the translation duties. Oh. Um, for example, Barrett doesn't really curse in the Japanese version. Yeah, I think I know about that. Um, they also would translate things wrong. Like you're, They infer that because you have a sword... In that one town with with all the bullet holes, they should send you to jail. Yeah. In the Japanese version, that actually makes sense. How does that make sense? Well, no, the way they explain it makes more sense. Oh. Like, it's not like, oh, well, you're obviously the villain. Here, go to jail. Like, there's there apparently there's a more actual decent reason for that happening. So, I, one reason thing, I think if I ever play Final Seven again, I won't play it until they put a new translation forth. Because they obviously were trying to make things edgier and weren't quite getting things right. Uh-huh. Because that was still... Because, again, it was mostly Sony that was trying to do it, not Square. It was more of a team effort, but that was the translation was more on the Sony side. Oh. And so I think if they retranslate it now, it'd probably sound way better than it did then. Maybe all those plot holes you were always complaining about with me might close up. They might, but I won't know until they fix it. <laughs> they might. Or they might stick around. I don't know until they do it. But I'm willing to give it a shot at this point. Good. Good. But yeah, I'm really enjoying 9. And I'm, I, I forgot just how interesting all the Mog stuff was. <laughs> it's got the Mognet where you where you send letters to the Moogles and other people send you letters through the Moogles. I don't remember that. It, it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's a thing. 
and, and there's just a lot of personality to the game I had just forgotten all about. Huh. It's I, I'm real. I'm playing on my Vita, giving it an excuse to use that thing. Yeah, looks really good on it. My only complaint about nine is it has like the most. It's uh, the um the trance thing is just stupid the way it's implemented. But yeah, it's a minor complaint. The game is extremely playable, uh, even with that one. It'll just it'll always kick in at the most unhelpful time. Um, the plus side is because it's on a it's on flash memory, uh, the battles start a little bit quicker. Mm. Like you don't have the the they don't have to load the CD to load the battles. <laughs> so that helps a lot, a lot. Oh, yeah. So things move a little bit faster than I'm used to. It's it's really good. So, yeah. Final Fantasy IX. I, I now re-recommend it. So what you got there, Doug? Okay. My moment of awesome is about a garment of clothing that I have acquired, which I refer to as my mosquito jacket. <laughs> now, is it made from mosquitoes? No, it is not made from mosquitoes. I've actually had many people look at me and ask that as I've been telling about how awesome my mosquito jacket is. Uh, the company that makes it is actually called... I don't know how to say that. I'm going to take a stab at and guess it's Exofio... Exoficio? Exoficio! Exoficio! Okay, that's my guess. I'm going with that. Anyhow, uh, what they call it is the, is the insect shield. Repel- r- repellent apparel. And that's what it does. It's basically white mesh... Uh, that has been sewn into a jacket. Uh, most of the jacket is, of course, polyester, but they've also used uh, they've also used material from they've also used material from the plant that gives us uh, that gives us pyrethranes. I know what that plant is, and I'm blanking on it right now. But the plant that gives us pyrethrain, they've also used that to make some of the manetting so that it's just a little bit more insect repellent, but it's in a solid form, so it's not hazardous to your cat unless your cat, like, eats your clothing, which my cats don't do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But it's very effective at keeping mosquitoes mosquitoes away. Uh, Since I bought it and I've been wearing it on my hikes and walks, I've gotten a lot less ticks and ticks and mosquitoes like even on the parts that the jacket isn't covering up so it's really is working um and because it's made of mesh i can put it over like a tank top and it's cool and breezy like even though it looks like i'm wearing a a coat i'm not wearing a coat because you know the air is moving through and Mm -hmm. and i've actually noticed that it feels a little bit cooler inside possibly because of some sun protection i don't Mm. know about that though but i love my mosquito jacket and it is great. And everybody who's into walking or hiking should probably look into getting one. Especially if you live in the South. Yes. The buggy, buggy South. Oh, that's, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of sucks. Like, it's, I need to go walking more, but I keep going like, ugh. But it's hot and there's bugs out. Yes. And boy, is that a killer for wanting to go. Mosquito jackets are the way to go. And mine smells really terrible right now so i'm gonna put it back in my bedroom and the dirty laundry to wash instead of continuing to wail it about in front of kevin and basil where it smells really bad okay i have almost no sense of smell it's sometimes a disadvantage but only sometimes and unlike this time but so we started talking about it then we decided not to talk about it as the topic of our conversation tonight or today, whenever you're listening. 
But I guess we should talk a little bit about Edge of Tomorrow. That yes. was totally a movie. It was a movie starring Tom Cruise. It wasn't not bad. I, I was expecting to be way worse. I only had to veto it because uh, because as we were leaving, you know, we, we were talking. You guys were bringing up the, the different points that you saw about the movie, and I realized that I was sitting there going, "No, but I thought it was good. I liked it." And so you guys were talking, and you're going, and you know, Doug will be the advocate for this movie, except. In thinking about it, I really couldn't advocate this movie as awesome. <laughs> I can advocate it as a good movie. It's definitely my favorite Tom Cruise movie that I think I've ever seen. I just don't happen to like Tom Cruise movies. He just consistently hasn't made movies that I have liked, well, but... On its own merits, it was a pretty good movie. It is, however, based on a Japanese novel called All You Need Is Kill... And, especially in the third act of the film, it completely abandons any association with the novel. Um, so, yeah, if we were doing a full awesome cast, I'd probably spend a lot of it nitpicking it as in comparison to the novel. But, the movie was pretty solid. If you want to watch Tom Cruise die a lot, this is the movie for you. Like, in fact, I would say, if you don't like Tom Cruise... This is the best Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. you'll ever see. It was really great. <laughs> I didn't think it was... I, I, I'm actually just kind of... Uh, I don't think this is spoiling too much because the title of the thing is called Edge of Tomorrow, but I'm kind of just a fan of interesting time travel mechanics, and that's what it had. It had an interesting time travel mechanics, and I haven't read the Japanese book, so I thought it was a very pleasant movie to sit and watch. Uh, and I liked it. I was entertained. It was based on a movie again. All you need is all you need is kill by Hiroshi Sakura Sakurazaka, and the book's really good. It is actually Viz actually released it. You can buy it. I'm pretty sure in ebook or paperback, and it's real. It's a fun read. It's a really interesting read. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, no, that's a really good book. Um... You know, like, some of how the time travel mechanics work is a little bit different in the novel. Um, the rationalization of how things go. Honestly, the movie has a happier ending. But, that's a... <laughs> One thing that always bothered me in the movie was they never really explained how they knew that the power left them. They just said that it did... I didn't like... Well, to be fair, in the novel, it was something that seemed to happen independently. And he just kind of got tapped into their network, basically. And when... And the novel involved some technobabble about tachyons. And it's not so much they were literally repeating the day as the memories were being sent backwards in time to themselves. So effectively, he had the memories of having already done it. And from his point of view, he was resetting each day. But in reality, it was just the information was being sent backwards in time to his brain. Oh. Okay. But he perceived it in a linear format. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he would redo it, it would go back, he'd redo it. You know, so, like, the aliens only ever gave, gave any ground in the war in the novel when it was, like, mathematically impossible for them to win. Which almost never happened. Mm. <laughs> so, okay, the the gist of the book, uh, the book or the, 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 the premise is... You've got a guy who's not very good at fighting. He's stuck in this war against these aliens, and the aliens are trouncing humanity. 
he dies in battle, then he comes back where he woke up the previous day. And every time he dies, he goes back to that same point. And how does he deal with that? Boom. Just a book, and that's, that's the premise. That, work, that works as an explanation for both the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they get there is a little bit different in both, but either way, I would recommend the book over the movie. But if you want a sl- smarter-than-average summer, bo- summer blockbuster... Well, if you're, if you're already contemplating going to see this movie, definitely go see it. It was a good movie. There's a like, lot worse movies out there. Like this a was... lot worse sci-fi and action movies out there. <laughs> Also, it's probably going to be out of theaters really soon. Possibly already by the time you listen to this. So, yeah. Oh, check, well. Check it out on video. Or if any of your local streaming services get it. Because honestly, it didn't do so hot. They'll probably snatch it up. It'll probably go on Netflix really soon. Much like the next movie we're actually talking about as our actual topic, The Great Muppet Caper. What a fantastic beginning! There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Maybe a movie. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie. Starring everybody and me. There'll be heroes, bold, there'll be comedy, and a lot of fuss that ends for us real happily. Maybe a movie. We can watch it all develop. Starring everybody and me. We'll take a world. Set it on its ear. Come on, join in. We're gonna start right here. <laughs> it's okay, I landed on my head. Oh, come here, chicken. So there's been sort of a revival as of late with Muppet movies. Yes, yes, there has. For a while, there were no Muppet movies, and now there are Muppet movies. I think it's definitely a happier time when there are Muppet movies about. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I totally agree. And the past two Muppet movies have been good. Yes, I really enjoyed them. And so I decided at some point, because I need to watch something while I let my sleeping machine do its... Once I clean, I gotta let it dry. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed on Netflix that, oh, hey, Muppet movies... The original Muppet movies are on Netflix, so I decided to start watching the first three, which is the Muppet movie, uh, the Great Muppet Caper, and Muppets Take, Na- Take Manhattan. Yep. Because in my brain, growing up, they were sort of this trilogy. For some reason, I decided that this was a trilogy, even though they're really not. There are three completely different movies, and even thematically, only the first two movies have stuff in common. The third one really doesn't. Yeah. But growing up, I always thought the first three were a trilogy, because uh, I was a kid, and kids can be stupid sometimes. And I decided to go back, and I first started back watching The Great Muppet Caper, because I remember it being my favorite, but I couldn't remember why. And so I went back and watched it, refilled of it all over again, much like Final Fantasy IX, where I don't really remember anything about it, just remember that I liked it. Yeah. And so now I like it for completely different reasons. But that's okay. It's still an awesome, amazing movie. And when Doug was like, you know, none of us really think Edge of Tomorrow was awesome. I thought it was good. I liked it. But not 
awesome. Yeah, just not quite awesome. Like, I would not feel genuine having said that movie was awesome. And I was like, that's fine. There's mm-hmm. been a movie I've been wanting us to watch and talk about for several weeks now, and that was, in fact, The Great Muppet Caper. So, that's what we're talking about. It's awesome. Watch it. Thank you. <laughs> it is oh, awesome. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> up. It's up on Netflix right now. Yep. So if you want to, if you haven't seen it in a long time, or maybe you have, like Basil and myself, and I assume Kevin, uh, have very fuzzy memories of it, but you don't really remember it. Definitely go back and rewatch it now. Or if you have kids and they've never seen it before, show it to them. Uh, one of the things that, as we were rewatching it. I didn't recognize... I only recognized one of the cameo appearances. I recognized John Cleese. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I couldn't recognize who these people were anymore because the story and the, the, story and the jokes were all good enough on its own that I, I didn't lose anything by me not recognizing the cameos. And this movie had some seriously bizarre things happen, just seemingly at random. That I didn't remember. I didn't remember at all. Um, <laughs> it also has some rather good puppetry. I mean, okay, it's the Muppets. It's always good puppetry, but there's some, like, the bicycle scene. I swear they were just showing off. There were other scenes like that, too, but I, I don't know how they did the bicycle scene. Yeah, like, I've seen all sorts of behind-the-scenes with Jim Henson Studios, all kinds of things like that. I'm a big Jim Henson fan, and I've I've studied, you know, well, what did he do? And I really love his stuff, but I still have no idea how they did the bicycle scene. I have I have some ideas, but but no one idea really seems to explain well, I, it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering. Well, maybe it's like a they got like a a green screen or something, and there's somebody behind it working. The, no, no, they start doing little loops where you can see they're turning around in a circle. No, no, they're clearly outside. I, <laughs> Like, I'm actually thinking more like, uh, more things along the lines of they had the, the, maybe the bikes weren't really on the ground ground. Uh, perhaps they just had a little motor in the bottom of the legs causing them to continue that cycling rotation. And then the rest of it was just suspended by wires that you couldn't see. Yeah, but this is, you know, this is pre-CG special effects, kids. Um, and it's, uh, surprisingly... It's surprisingly easy to lose yourself in the delusion that Muppets walk among us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you can actually even buy it on Blu-ray now. It actually comes as a combo pack with with uh, Muppet Treasure Island, <laughs> like as a as a, as a dual pack. I see it on sixteen uh, twenty bucks on Amazon. Muppet Treasure Island is also a good one. Kermit the Frog sword fights Tim Curry, so you know. Oh, that, that just sounds good. Just a little teaser there. And it's also the other musical with Tim Curry, besides Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, you know, one of the things that, as we were watching this movie, we slowly started to realize is you could basically recast any movie with the Muppets, and it would be good. Like, you guys were, 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 pitching, were pitching this idea for... Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, for, for Edge of Tomorrow, oh, yeah. recast as Muppets. Just obviously Kermit would be the raw recruit or corrupt recruiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Piggy would be the girl who is the badass, you know, and it's Beaker and Bunsen Honeydew would be the scientist collectively. <laughs> you know, Statler and Waldorf would be the general. Uh, the squaddies would be various Muppets, and you'd still have uh, plenty of room to re- throw in random human cameos. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like you, the guy who was the drill instructor who I said his name earlier and it went out of my head now. 
And the guy who always recognizes Miss Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the speaking of all the Muppets, and of course the Muppets are great, and the Muppets are of course in the movie because it's a Muppets movie. I, I was surprised just how much the new Muppet movies really follow in the very same ideas or possibly even ideals that the first two Muppet movies did in cinema, which was the Muppet movie and Great Muppet Caper. For example, uh, both the new movies and the first two movies are cognizant of the fact that they're movies. Yes. They both understand that, oh, by the way, we are the Muppets, we're acting this movie, and here's the movie that we're acting in. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I kind of am amused at the beginning of the film. They actually are commenting on the opening credits. Yeah, Fon- you know, or Fonzie. Uh... Fonzie's nervous. They're up in a hot air balloon. And Kermit's like, oh, don't worry. It's just the opening credits. Nothing's going to happen to us. And Gonzo just keeps speculating on... <laughs> on how well he could plummet. Remember, you know, Gonzo, his big thing many times is he's a stuntman. Oh, yeah. He does all the crazy stunts and... Wants to do outrageous things. Like, that's that's just Gonzo's. Well. Because he's Gonzo, and he's kind of out there. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm a little bit out there myself, and I have quite a non-sequitur sense of humor. Like, I find nothing more funny than just, like, complete absurdist jokes. And I'm reminded watching this movie more than any of the... I'm reminded watching this movie more than any of the previous Muppet movies that have come out recently. How much I loved Gonzo when I was a kid, just because he had that such absurdist sense of humor, and I just loved it. Like when he wanted to put his nose back in the in the elevator. Yeah, back in the fun. elevator. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, and I remember like the way he hailed a cab. I remember doing that as a kid, completely terrifying my mother, but I still did it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one against showing your kids this movie. <laughs> well. So, and the movie is very straight up about what the movie's about, because they tell you, like, yeah. in the opening song, after the opening credits, they have this big downtown, obviously not a set, but in downtown New York, you know, musical extravaganza saying, hey, this is a movie starring yeah. people. Yeah, and Kermit and Fonzie stop and tell you Fonzie. how... Fozzie? Fozzie. Fozzie the bear. Not Fonzie. Yeah, no, okay. Hey. Fozzie. Hey. <laughs> Why did they never cross over? Probably for confusion reasons. But Fozzie Bear and Kermit are like, okay, in this movie, we're twin brothers who are investigative reporters. <laughs> and yes, they are twin brothers. Fozzie the bear and Kermit the frog are identical twin brothers in this movie. Look, honey, it's a bear. No, dear, that's a frog. Bears wear hats. <laughs> Although the one picture of uh, Kermit and Fozzie's father, that's pure nightmare fuel. <laughs> yes. So the basics of the film are, yeah, like, like what happens is that Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo, because Gonzo's their photographer. Yeah, he's their cameraman. Yeah, he's taking his picture with his old flash, you know, light bulb camera, because this was filmed in 1981, and you can tell by the computers, which are all bleaking lights, and... Pretty sure that camera was ridiculously out of date, even for the setting. Yeah, probably but. was. <laughs> and they're investigating. They're investigating reporters, and it turns out there was there was jewel heists, and the jewel, next jewel heist is probably in England. So they go to England, and they actually went to England. Like they they sat, they all filmed everything on location in Great Britain. Yeah, the rich chick is Diana Rigg for Game of Thrones fans, looking a bit younger and hotter than Game of Thrones, right? Most recently. But, <laughs> and they're having to solve 
this rash of jewel thieves. And that's why you have a great Muppet caper, because the caper is the eventual stealing of the baseball diamond, complete <laughs> on its baseball glove platter. Yes. Because, of course, things get confused when Miss Piggy enters the story, and tr- trying to be a model for the lady with the diamonds, and except she gets mistaken for the lady by Kermit, because she's in her office when Kermit walks in, and there's a little mistaken identity, and there's a ritzy, there's a, a ritzy restaurant, a big dance number... Uh, <laughs> I I really liked the big synchronized swimming number because it really was just like you said. Fuck you, it's Miss Piggy synchronized swimming. Yeah, I just love that everyone just falls in love with Miss Piggy as soon as she comes down the runway. Like everyone just loses their shit and starts taking pictures, you know. And they're just like, oh my god. Well, yeah. one of the best things of a good Muppet movie, and Jim Henson really got it. Mm-hmm. He really, really got it. Well, was, of course he got it. Well, I mean, yeah, they're well, yes, but. Because this was his movie, mm-hmm. this was because he while well, he was involved in a lot of the earlier ones. Yeah, this was the only movie that he directed himself. Oh, okay. And it's really cognizant, and especially this movie, especially compared to the, in the first three, the first one sort of gets it. The third one really doesn't get it, but the the second one really gets this whole idea that they acknowledge that these Muppets are all Muppets and they're all animals. They acknowledge it, and then they don't care. Yes, like they acknowledge it. Kermit's a frog, and Fozzie Bear's a bear, and that Miss Piggy is a pig. But then and then that the, Gonzo's something. And he's, yeah, he's whatever. And then they move on, and then no one cares. Like, it's it's a wonderful, in, wonderfully inclusive world. Mm-hmm. Where everyone, in their own weird, stupid way, is accepted. Which reminds me of the scene with the British couple. Who are incredibly accepting of everything. That that was, uh, the British couple does have John Cleese in it, which is the cameo that I did recognize. And it's just a wonderful portrayal of a a British couple. Not how British people actually are at all, but a wonderful portrayal nonetheless. Like a pig crawling up a wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it happens. They just take everything so calmly and stoically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know... The point when, stiff upper lip, son. Yeah. Stiff upper lip. To the point where, upon catching Miss Piggy and Kermit in their house with no real explanation for why they should be there, and he just asks, "Can I help you with anything?" And then he just asks, "Yeah, do you know any good restaurants?" He gives them a recommendation, <laughs> <laughs> and then they just leave, and everyone's cool with it. <laughs> well, I mean, no harm, no foul. And leave it to Muppet movies to give me musical numbers that I actually enjoy pretty well, mm-hmm. like. I usually go, ah, I hate musicals, musicals are stupid musicals, why can't things be opera? Then I'll watch a Muppet movie and they like all the songs. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's something about Muppets that makes everything go down better. Yeah, Muppets are great. You know, I mean, because the movie starts with one, you know, hey, it's a movie starring everybody, you know. And, yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever seen this movie in HD before, which, seeing this movie in HD, it really did add something that I never knew I was missing, and that is actually seeing the texture of all the different Muppets. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I could really pick out, like, the different fuzz of the felt on them versus, mm-hmm. like, the hair, uh, like, the wig Miss Piggy was wearing. 
gloriously flowing wig. <laughs> yeah, the glorious. Well, I mean, the wig Miss Piggy's wearing, yeah. or or the the fur that Fonzie and Ralph have. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's all. There's a lot of detail in there. What the various materials the puppets were made out of. Yeah, like the texture of the tongue and the mouths is actually different. Surprisingly. <laughs> Like those things are meticulously constructed with you know a lot of love and care, mm-hmm. and a lot of love and care obviously went in this movie. Yes, yes. You know, with lots of really neat staging, and again, like you know, Ken mentioned earlier, the bike scene. Yeah. Where suddenly they have all the Muppets just riding bikes in a park. Like you can see all of the Muppet on all of the bike. With little legs going. And it is I, a little weird know. to see legs on the Muppets, but yeah. not because the legs actually looked weird, just because you're so used to seeing the Muppets from waist up that when you actually see them with legs, it's like, oh yeah, they should have a lower half of the body, shouldn't they? Like anytime you see that part, most of the time it's obvious how they're manipulating them anyways. Yeah. But like the bike scene, I don't know. It's before computers. Uh, <laughs> and, well, it's one thing that you think about the movie is that they really can just do whatever. Because mm-hmm. in this, it is just a movie. This could have been any other movie. This yeah. could have been like Ocean's Eleven if they really wanted it to be. Only it's not because it's a Muppet movie, and you actually you even see them walking around. I mean, there's a whole another musical number with Kermit getting dressed up for a date. Yeah, yeah. and you see him walking around, putting on clothes. Yeah, and there, putting, there, a, you know, there was a lot of scenes that are puppeteers showing off. Like this is like we got a movie, we're gonna show off, and show off they did to great effect they were truly amazing uh and i also do like what you realize all the little details that you now see uh-huh that you may not notice the first time like all the street signs mm-hmm. like you know you know cheap street and like you know yeah it was real fun to read the signs actually you know and the uh, when they get to mallory manor you know you Don't will climb be ri- over this you'll, you'll be, be like ripped apart just random things here and there. It's all, like, if you look for it, there's little jokes in every little crevice of the movie. Like uh, the sign on the guy's door that actually said, you, you know, it had the lady's office door, and then it had her brother's office door, and below it it so said, like, like, worthless. Worthless, worthless parasite. parasite or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Useless parasite. And he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, frickin' what's-his-face. Charles Groden. Yeah, Charles Groden. Groden. Yeah. Who is... Who the villain of the film? I mean, he Kinda, was sorta. He was, you know, back in the early '80s. He was the total hot throb guy, like you know, the sort of I guess the Leonardo he's, DiCaprio, or he's the guy know. who I didn't recognize at all. He's maybe more of a Billy Zane at the yeah, height yeah, of yeah. Billy Zane's career. Was he the guy that we saw in the very beginning that I thought might yes. be Tom Baker? Yeah, yeah. I. I I had a moment where I wondered if he was Tom Baker. Well, the movie did have a sonic screwdriver, so it it's, did. A fair, uh, it's a fair... A sonic lockpick. It's totally a sonic <laughs> it's screwdriver. It's a sonic screwdriver. I forget the movie. It was set in England. Those things just turn up. <laughs> which tells you which tells you something that, you know... That perhaps these... they were at least aware of it, even if they didn't cast anybody from it. Oh, wait. John Cleese is in an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which Doctor. Third or fourth. But I think I was third, actually. he's just there for a minute in one episode and makes comment on the TARDIS thinking it's modern art and then everyone runs into it and the TARDIS vanishes. Um, it, it's kind of amusing. <laughs> I just can't quite picture which doctor it was at the time. <laughs> Although my actual favorite cameo in the film was actually done by Peter Falk, who was Columbo in the old TV series. 
which I'm like, that's Columbo. It was also the grandfather in Princess Bride, but yeah, he was kind of more doing Columbo in this movie. Where he's like, ah, glass slipper, huh? Let me tell you about this glass slipper. He tells the most bizarre story. This weirdly specific weirdly story. Weirdly specific about his, his speculating that his Kermit had like a brother-in-law named Bernie or something and that they had a laundromat, <laughs> except there was another laundromat down the street. And, and there's trials and tribulations and people start going away. It's a pretty impressive loose. story. And Kermit's just nodding along. He lets him go through the whole story and it's like, wow. That's completely wrong. <laughs> and then goes, can you go now? We're kind of doing a movie. Implying that just Peter Falk just wandered on set one day. You know, no real explanation. Just to talk to Kermit, you know. I mean, I would, but, you know. so There there are several great scenes where they completely just... it's You, you would say it's breaking the fourth wall... Except that somehow it still feels like they're in character anyways. Well, you know, Charles Grodin, as the villain, sort of, he also kind of has this love triangle with Kermit and Miss Piggy, where that's, he is also vying for Miss Piggy's affection. That's only in his head. It's only in his head, but I believe he is into Miss Piggy. I genuinely <laughs> believe it. That's what an amazing actor he was. And, and I, I like that, you know, there's like the part in the park where Miss Piggy and Kermit are having their little romantic spat and it actually like breaks down in them breaking fourth wall and like it, they, it's like I mean it's part of the story but they go but out of character they're still really fighting about him being jealous they get they go out of character for a minute and you know start talking about the movie <laughs> and then he like he really hurts her feelings and then Aww. but then they go back into character and it's it's all good I don't know that's weird that is weird and non sequitur but it works so well I still just love the opening credits where it's just them in a hot air balloon. Like, why are we here? Oh, so many credits. Where are the credits? Great Buffett Caper. Oh, there they are. That's a great... That's, that's a great, great title. Good title, yeah. Like, are the credits... Are they almost... Are they... The credits over? Almost. And like, as Jim Henson's name pops up, does anybody actually read any of these things? Nobody ever reads any of these things. Oh, somebody reads it. They have families. <laughs> I just... God, it, the, it's so witty at times. Kermit has almost a kind of a cutting sense of humor. Yeah. Like, and I never got that as a kid, because I, well. He's the guy who kind of seems like he should be the straight man, but he's, he really is making fun of the situation. Surprisingly, (laughs) Fozzie actually struck me as the straight man. Yeah, this movie more so. Yeah, 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 because he's sort of, you know, there, and uh, uh, the fact that they, that when they do the whole twins thing, you know, it's just, it's in the newspaper. Like, you show the newspaper, it's like, you know. Twins join the newspaper, and they're like, why, why is this? Everyone's got this jewel heist, and you've got the fact that you're twins. <laughs> and, the, and they start disbelieving it until they go down to put on the hat, Fozzie. And he's like, ah, yeah. And as soon as he agrees with it, it's set in stone. The movie now completely follows through with it. Other people, completely in a separate place in the world, recognize them as twins now. <laughs> It is now, for, for henceforth, till the movie's over, they are twins. You also sort of notice it with uh, Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. where at first they're like, why would you be a model and this and that? But as soon as someone starts believing in it, bam, there it goes. She is now the ultimate hottie, Miss Piggy. You don't mess with her. 
you know, where suddenly they're in this, they're in, they're in a restaurant and then they go into a dance number that's all about her. <laughs> also, yes. I, I feel one of the better love songs in most anything, because the love song's point is there is no, yeah, it's not love at first sight, but when the, the, the true love thing happens, you'll, then you'll notice it. Yeah. Like, you know, I thought that was a great little comment. Yep. Where you, it, you it doesn't know. have to be love at first sight to be true love because when that ha- moment happens, you'll know. Yeah, which is really funny because for Groden's character, <laughs> Parasite Guy, it was at first sight where he's suddenly like Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> I strangely buy it. I don't know. It's weird. Like I believed it. He sold me. You know, he sold me on his love for Miss Piggy. And admittedly, we're kind of being spoily with this review, but... it's It was made in 1981. 1981. There's a good chance that you've all seen it when you were kids, and you've forgotten all about it, and we're really here to tell you... It was awesome. Go back it really and watch was. it. It wasn't something that was just okay. awesome because it was it, because it's rose-colored in your mind through the spectacles of nostalgia. It, this is something that was actually awesome. And it really was awesome. So much that came out of the Jim Henson studio truly was awesome that I think all of it kind of needs to be remembered at some point and people need to go back and look at it because it was really amazing stuff. Watch your Muppet movies, kids, and The Dark Crystal, and Labyrinth, and maybe Mirror Mask. I never saw that. Was that any good? It was good, but it was way more artsy. Yeah. It was way more artsy. Like, if artsy films aren't your thing, don't bother. But if they are your thing, yes. Yes, this was so... Mirror Mask was so good, if that's your thing. I still hardly recommend Dark Crystal and or Labyrinth. But, uh, you know, I actually had the discovery recently that Dark Crystal is actually somewhat hard to follow. <laughs> I had this experience yes. by trying to show the Dark Crystal to my three-year-old niece. She's actually still two, but she's about to be three in like a month. And she... I don't know if she was just playing the why game with me or if she seriously could not follow the movie that much. But even my sister who was watching it with us said, yeah, this movie is kind of hard to follow. I don't remember it being this hard. There's also a, wa- a rare kind of director's cut work print that was never really made into the real film that's a little more esoteric. <laughs> but uh... Well, it may just be that three is too young for it's that movie. Of, it's got some weird metaphysicalness to it. But uh, it's still one also of my... some scary ass puppets. As puppets go, <laughs> there are some scary ass puppets in that movie. You know, Barry was actually watching it for the first time with us too, and he was just watching it. And afterwards, he put down his drink and he said, "Well, I know where Doug got his bird phobia." <laughs> <laughs> but you're not gonna get a weird bird phobia from this film. You might get but... a weird chicken philia, especially if you like Gonzo too much. But. Uh... <laughs> And don't follow Gonzo's examples, kids. Gonzo is the best photographer ever. <laughs> God, his, his knee study. Well, like, that's what well, he's he, telling He us. would take, just take pictures of everything. Yeah. Like, he was just there, like, hey, hey, picture. Ah, I gotcha, gotcha, picture. Isn't that awesome? Or, like, he'll see, like, a bird, or he'll see this, he'll just think this, this pipe looks pretty great, or, you know. Now, what, what was his instructions for how to be a good photographer? Just take pictures uh, make sure you have film, take pictures of everything, and be sure to yell, ah, before they eat their food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like where he tried to sell Jim Henson a picture. 
yep. of himself. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when Fozzie goes, but I, I think I got my arm. He's like, I'll add human interest. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a bear. It's like, you know, there's this, these little quips. Like, I, I love the transitional quips they would have with each other while they're moving from scene to scene as they have the, you know, this nice panning vista of like, you know, Great Britain and, and London and stuff because they were on location. Yeah. Of course, you're going to do all these sweeping shots. Mm-hmm. And, ah, uh, and the, the band and the Happiness Hotel that was so, so lovingly ran down and decrepit. So lovingly. Like, you so know they had... really lovingly. Like, that takes a special level of care in and of itself. <laughs> you know they had fun building those sets. Yes. <laughs> With the stupid light bulbs and every single Muppet living there, inexplicably. Well, you gotta get the Muppets in there somehow. Even Sam the Eagle, who proudly proclaims his Americanness. <laughs> well, I kind of got the feeling that it was sort of like a hostel. Like, yeah, probably. Like, it, it reminded me well, of a hostel. Well, especially since most of, like, a good chunk of those Muppets are in the band, and they definitely have that kind of dirty hippie quality to them. Mm-hmm. So it works, yeah, hostel, yeah, that works, you know. That's okay. I like the Dirty Hippie Muppet Band and Animal and Janice and Dr. Keith. And I I don't remember what their band is actually called anymore. But they had a name. (laughs) I like those guys. (laughs) It's a good movie. Mm. I I heartily encourage everyone to watch it. Yes, I I agree. Everybody should go re-watch this movie. Uh, And it should do a bunch of other Jim Henson's works. But right now I'm I'm pushing this one. (laughs) It's on Netflix. Easy to find. In fact, before we watched this, before we recorded, you know, Kevin was a little apprehensive. He's like, wait, we're doing what? But, uh, nah, 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 nah. you don't hear him going, nah, anymore, do you? Nah. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, because I made the noise and yeah, yeah. the noise. I can kind of understand because, you know, we had, we were prepared to talk about. We had planned. We were going to talk about Edge of Tomorrow. And it's like, Muppet movies. Nah, nah. I was ready to go with one thing. And it was like, we're nah, fine. Okay, here I will watch the damn Muppet movie. But you do have to agree with me. The Muppet movie is way more awesome than The Edge of Tomorrow. Which, The Edge of Tomorrow is still good. Like, I keep saying, like, comparing, saying it's not awesome. That's true, but it's still good. Well, Miss Piggy does rip the steel bars out, like bend steel bars in her prison. And throw Peter Usinoff out of a truck and steal an awesome motorcycle. Which is pretty damn good action. In its own way. Has a little cop, cop car chase. A little cop car chase. Yeah, most of the action came from Miss Piggy. Yeah. Well, Miss Piggy's a badass. Yeah. That's yeah. just a long-established fact. <laughs> oh, Miss Piggy. How many furries did you make? I really wonder. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's a hottie. I mean, everyone loves Miss Piggy. Everyone loves Miss Piggy. That's why you, that's why you tell it's a movie, because suddenly, like... You know, and you, and you can sort of see in, the, in your brain in the behind the scenes where she's like, all right, now, this is going to be all about me. Very amazing. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you can actually, like, even though that never actually happens in the movie, if you've seen enough Muppet stuff, there were scenes where you could kind of think to yourself that that happened. <laughs> like, you definitely tell it's a Muppet movie because obviously the Muppets are like, now we got to do this. Yeah. Well, even and like then it would happen. The Muppet Show was kind of built was built around the premise that it was like a sketch comedy show, a la Saturday Night Live. But you were also seeing the behind the scenes stuff as they went ran around behind the sets. Yeah, and it's like like they were real people putting on a show. Mm-hmm. And you know that was I, I think the movie, at least the first two movies, 
kind of continue that trend. They're obviously just being actors in a movie. Like you can, so like those real behind the scenes, ver the real air quotes behind the scenes version of themselves still exist, you know, and that's. Yeah, sadly the third movie just, it's just a movie that happens to have Muppets in it. Like they don't, they don't do the whole fourth wall stuff with it. Mm-hmm. It just is a movie that's starring the Muppets. Yeah, at least even like, well, I can't remember if it ever happened to Muppet Treasure Island, but Muppet Christmas Carol, you get Gonzo and Rizzo at least talking to the audience a bit. It, and I don't know, and Muppets in Space kind of sucked. Like, if there's a bad Muppet movie, that's it. <laughs> but. But yeah, so. The Great Muppet Caper. It will steal your heart. Especially for a heart the size of a baseball. And made of diamond. God, when the baseball diamond, like, catch turned into an actual baseball game. <laughs> like, it turns into this weird free-for-all where they're trying to fight against the thieves and they're tossing around and next thing you know, someone pulls out a giant fish as a bat. There's a sports announcer and then you realize, wait, they're about to play ball. Yep. They're about to turn it into baseball. I like Beaker's... Preparing to pitch with his weird little head bob action. <laughs> Beaker's just weird and awesome. So that's <laughs> like yeah. all the Muppets are just weird and awesome. But you know. So we'll take a break and we'll come back with our favorite Muppet Muppet moments from this film. We'll be right back. <laughs> Sunny sky, lovely pictures dance in your eye. It all seems so right. It all feels so rare. Summer soft, sudden breeze. Watch the wind tag in the trees. The world is so, so Kevin. What is your favorite Muppet moment? Well, my favorite Muppet moment was when Kermit realized he had gotten the time travel power from the alien blood, and he kept resetting back to the beginning, and there was just this montage of Kermit deaths. Wait, no, no, that's Edge of Tomorrow, that was Tom Cruise. That was, that just needed a Yakety Sax montage. But, um, I think my favorite Muppet moment, um, man, I don't know. I, I, I do kind of like uh, the... It's also good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's also good. It's bicycles. I just that was just had me scratching my head on the technical achievement. Like I don't know how they did that. That movie probably deserved an Oscar for special effects. Um, <laughs> Doug, my favorite moment was when they were escaping the battlefield, and he kept saying. I've never done this before, but then he kept knowing the next step. I know that was supposed to be representative of, and they kept going, and and, and this was, they kept going, you know, showing you, well, then this is the time they succeeded, and rather than showing you all the times that he, he failed, they just kept going with the times that he succeeded as if it was a continuous stream, but they were showing you the continuing versions of the first time that he had done something. Uh, oh, wait, that was... <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow again, wasn't it? I, I look, I know Kermit the Frog <laughs> and Tom Cruise are really easy to mix up, but one of those... Oh, you're, okay. One well, of them's a demented puppet, and the other's Kermit the Frog. Then, 
Uh, my favorite Muppet moment was probably when Kermit was sitting in in the park and he had the Columbo moment with the wrong story and he was just calmly listening to the human talk. Darn, that was my favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> Think of another one. Quick. There were so many. Fine. The one where he finally realizes that it's either Kermit or Piggy. And, wait, wait, no, no, that's not even in the movie anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 ah. Even just the very first moment when they're in the balloon talking about the credits, where suddenly Fox's like, what's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they start right in on it. Suddenly they drop down, and there's this big musical number, and they explain things, so they're in costumes, and they're doing stuff, and... Uh, I don't know. Let's let's go with the airplane. Okay. Where they're all in the their their various boxes because they're luggage. Yes. They're their their pet animals and you, know, you got your 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 bear, your frog, and then your whatever. And somehow Gonzo smuggling the TV. <laughs> <laughs> they just toss them out. The, like a guy randomly comes down, opens the door, which is so impossible, and just starts chucking them out <laughs> over Great Britain for no adequately explained reason. That flight plan doesn't even make sense. Why would they fly over England if they were going to Italy? Ah. Oh. <laughs> I guess so they can drop off Muppets, because that was the only <laughs> thing they tossed out of the plane. That or possibly the scene where they suddenly go into the to the, the water dance musical oh, number. Oh, yeah, that was good. Where literally I was watching Kevin Dugling wait. What? Wait. <laughs> what? Because fuck you, Mrs. Piggy. <laughs> yeah, that's her choice. Not fuck you, Mrs. Piggy. Fuck you, comma, because it's Mrs. Piggy. And what was the best part was earlier, and Kevin's like, yeah, that's the sexiest role that Frank Oz has ever had. And then we get into the water thing, <laughs> where it's like the big swimsuit stuff, where it's swimsuit, mo- swimsuit you know, dancers and Miss Piggy in a swimsuit. Dancing in the water, having this really big, you know, dance. And they're on those outfits that you only really saw in the 80s. Yeah. Like, you know, it's very similar. You know, they're, you had, so the dance number you had, like, Temple of Doom, the Indiana Jones film. <laughs> and those particular almost cabaret dancers style. big flowing hair under the water, you know. I, and I, like, kind of went snap back to reality. It's way less glamorous, kind of plastered to her head. Well, but, I, I know that, like occasionally they actually did just like have a woman in a pig suit for Mrs. Piggy like there were a couple of scenes where you could pick that out and I kept in that swim scene trying to figure out if that's what they had done and I don't think it was like I think the motorcycle was I don't know about it's like one of those things you kind of had to look at the scale and go hmm yeah you had to be nitpicky on a level way more than but there's also you should be if you're enjoying a movie. There are also ways to fool our perspective. So I don't know. There are ways to make us think things are bigger or smaller than they really are. So that's uh... <laughs> and they were really good at that. Yeah. Either they built a giant animal thing for the first movie just because they could. They built. They did in the first movie build a giant animal head. It was not miniatures. It was not a perspective trick. They built a giant animal head in the first movie. <laughs> the first movie is still really good. I don't. I, I think it's. It feels more like a proof of concept. Yeah. Than the second one does. Yeah. The second one is one of the ones I feel. I really feel it's a complete Muppet movie. 
Yes. Whereas the first one really feels like, well, we have Muppets, we're doing a movie. How do we do this now? Yeah, can we do a whole movie with Muppets? Oh, look at that. Yes, we can. Now let's tell an actual story that happens to be with the Muppets. Mm-hmm. But, so I really recommend the first one, too. But, again, this is The Great Muppet Caper. It's great. It's awesome. So many, how many awesomes out of awesomes do you want to give it, Kevin? Um, four slightly incompetent jewel thieves out of awesome. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I... Y- 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 yes, Doug? I want to give it a labyrinth of awesomes. <laughs> uh, all right. Wrong Jim Henson property, but we'll, <laughs> we'll take it. Ask, is David Bowie a Muppet? <laughs> he might be. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's it's quite possible. He is the Goblin King, after all. It's true. I, I'm going to give it one fantastic baseball diamond of awesome. Shiny. I, I really, again, I absolutely just adore everything about this film. I'm really curious if they do a third Muppet movie, how they handle it. Because the first Muppet movie mm-hmm. was, the original, the Muppet movie, was about the formation of the Muppets as a group. Yes. Uh, how did Kermit meet everybody? And similarly, the the, the Muppets, the second Muppet movie, what, uh, of the first Muppet movie of the modern era, as it were, yes. was getting the gang back, back together. together. And this, the great Muppet caper, was about a caper mm-hmm. eventually, and you had sort of that sort of that heist vibe with the latest Muppet movie. Yeah, a little uh, bit more spy action oriented, but same basic premise. Yeah. And the third Muppet movie was Muppets Take Manhattan, which was way more about them putting on a musical. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see if they do get to have a third Muppet movie from Disney. I hope they do. I don't, but I don't know if that if they're going to do something completely original because I kind of wish they do. Because mm-hmm. I've liked sort of the parallels they've drawn with the first two movies, but I really like the whole idea of that sort of behind the curtain. The Muppets are doing the movie like the Muppets would make a movie. Yes. Which they sort of lose that after the third one and beyond. Mm-hmm. And I really hope they keep that up. And so I hope we see something completely unique and original, but with that same sort of idea. Yes. Uh, I think that's the Muppets are the best when you let them just be the Muppets. And what would the Muppets actually do and let them do that? Muppets are also pretty good when they when they are still the Muppets, but they're the Muppets doing a whole cloth parody of something. It's true. It's true. But I feel that's... Those are the best, like... Those are best done not as movies. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, I don't mind, like, you know, you know, Muppet Treasure Island and... Well, you know, I think Muppet Treasure Island I would like better if it does. I can't remember if it does or not. I'm going to have to go back and watch it now. Mm-hmm. There there might be another Muppet Awesome cast in the future. Who knows? <laughs> I, I am never Muppets. against Muppets. But anyways, I think we've talked enough about Muppets. This has been the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome, including Muppets. You can find us at awesomecast.com. Awesomecast on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. Email us at awesomecast.com. Leave us comments on our website. Any complaints? Didn't like Muppets? Screw you. But you can email podcast at chancebuffet.com. We don't mind. They might read it. We probably won't. But thanks. And we'll see you next time. We are out. We've had 
comedy. We've had mystery, had a real good time, and solved a crime real easily. Pay a movie, I just can't believe they did it. Starring everybody and me. There was spectacle, there was fantasy, where we took a chance and saw romance and happily in a movie. I just love the happy ending. One for everybody. 